Unless you felt guilty. This morning you, you have a tithe or an offering. Just put it in the offering box over there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your your graciousness. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. We thank you for the blessings that you pour out. We thank you for the fact that you watch our backs, Lord, that you continue to be with us no matter what, Lord, that you never give up on us. We thank you, Lord, for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a quick reminder, September 17th, is our 15-year anniversary. Uh, I have Randy Morris coming in from the state office in Florida. It's going to be a great day. So celebration, a lot of food, a lot of everything. So set that up on your calendar. No more vacations, no more anything. <laughs> We're back to normal. Yeah. Sunday vacation people. I'm taking that. I think I'm back up north again where you got to get away in the winter. <laughs> this morning we're going to talk from Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked to you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I mean, what David's declaring three things here in this little scripture. He's declaring that the Lord God Almighty is our God. He's also telling us that we are to serve the Lord God Almighty with passion. And thirdly, he's saying it's important that we persevere with his walk and with our walk with the Lord, that we continue to persevere through the good times, through the bad times. I mean, he tells us that being passionate about our walk, he says, my soul thirsts for you, Lord. So body longs for the Lord. But what takes place here, we're in Psalm 63, we're not sure. Bible scholars, some say this is when Saul is chasing him. And he's running from Saul. And he's hiding out in different caves and all these places because Saul wants to get him. So he finds himself alone in the wilderness. And other people say that it's after David became king that he wrote this when he was running from his son Absalom. And he was running from the militia they had. And again, David's alone. He's finding himself running from his enemies. So we don't know which one of those were taking place at the time he wrote this, but this is what he wrote it about, being alone, finding himself totally relying on the Lord, trusting nothing else but God. If you remember some of the stories about David, when David was running from Saul and he ran into the Philistine camp, and he knew the Philistines would want to kill him because he had just taken out Goliath. 
few years before that. So David fakes being crazy. And so they kick him out of the city. He gets hungry and he goes into the temple and he steals the showbread that was there for the priests the next day when they put in the fresh loaf and they eat the old loaf the day old. David steals that and eats that. This time he's alone, he's in the wilderness. And he understood one truth, that a person truly needs to be cemented to the Lord. We need to be glued to God. We need to take that, what do they call it? Kind of glue, super glue. Now you see all kinds of commercials, you've seen all kinds of scenes on television where a person puts super glue on their finger, touch their head and they can't get their fingers off. Well, he's saying the same thing here. This is how we have to be with God. We have to find that. I mean, he's out there fleeing for his life. And yet he's just calling upon the Lord. Later in the scriptures, we find Jesus making the same statement. In Matthew 6, 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. David's saying the same thing. And Jesus just reiterates what David is saying. I mean, I don't know about you, but I find it remarkable that in today's culture, you'll find people whose primary focus is obviously on themselves. You can tell by that, by the four million selfies there are. The videos, TikTok, and all these things. You know, people are all about themselves. But there are still people today that focus only on God. That they put God first. And that's where we all need to be. Because God is the one that is going to take care of us. It's the Lord God Almighty that is giving us a home in heaven. It's the Lord God Almighty that is doing all things for his people. We're called to be passionate about our relationship with Jesus. We're called to live a life of passion towards Christ, a life of holiness, a life of righteousness. And how do we do that? We do it by declaring the Lord God Almighty is your God. You've got to declare that God is your God, not anything else. David starts off making it very clear in the scripture. Oh God, you are my God. But he's also declared it in Psalm 62, 16 to again. Oh, my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. In Psalm 31, verse 14, he says, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. And I say, you are my God. In Psalm 146, I say to the Lord, You are my God. Hear my voice of my supplications, O Lord. 
David never took his focus off God. No matter what he was going through, I mean, just imagine that. Running for your life every single day. You either had Saul after you or you had Absalom, but you had somebody with a militia and an army that was chasing after you. His focus still stayed on God. His focus still stayed on God. Now the enemy, our spiritual enemy, the prince of darkness, he throws out, he comes after us. But if we're focused on God, we'll defeat that battle. We'll overcome that. You know, even when David was young, and there's all kinds of stories written about when he was young, when he's out tending his father's sheep, you know, he told his brothers that he killed a bear, told his brothers he killed a lion. You know, they didn't really believe him. Spirit, he was a loud mouth little kid. But he surrendered his life to God at that time. He surrendered it to the Lord. The only way for God to be our God is the same way it was for David to be totally committed to God. He understood very well the commandments that God wrote out for the people of Israel. He knew what the commandments were that were given to Moses. He knew that in Exodus 20, verse 3, it was said, you shall have no other gods before me. As important as it was in David's day, it's just as important today that we put our stake in the ground, that we declare the Lord God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is our God. We need to publicly state it that we will serve no other God. And as passionately as we declare that and commit our lives, commit our hearts, commit our minds, our souls to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. We have to give it all to God. Lord, we we just bow down to you this morning, Lord. We give you all the praise. All the glory, all the honor, Lord. You are our God, the God Almighty. David not only voices his allegiance, his commitment to the Lord, but he lives it out. Does that mean David was plotless? No. We all know the sins that David committed. We all know the times that David had. We all know the times that David just did not live right. Committed sins. But yet, God said, he's a man after my own heart. Why? Because he could honestly see that David was sincere in his cries. I mean, you see so many people, especially today, they call themselves Christians and don't have the faintest idea what that means. That's right. They don't know how to live the way you're supposed to live. They don't want to change their lives. They figure they can go out and do these things. But David wanted to be passionate about his relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. A relationship that he had wanted to mirror 
that of Adam and Eve when they walked in the garden. Oh, what a thrill that must have been. Yeah. To actually walk in the garden of God. And then you have Enoch. And you have Moses. Two people that were very, very close to God. Enoch just amazes me. There's very little in scripture written about him, but you can find it in some of the older Jewish writings, stories about Enoch. If you look at Genesis chapter 5, you see some vital insights. In verse 21, we find where it says, Enoch lived in a close relationship with God. And then in verse 24, we read that Enoch walked in a close relationship with God. So when he lived in a close relationship, he walked in a close relationship. God is the one who Enoch believed that he could be close to, so close that he literally could talk to God and talk with him and walk with him. Abraham and Moses, they too believed that they could listen to God talk to God and walk with God. They believed they could have an experience so supernatural, so spirit-filled that God's presence was right there with them. That God's presence was so powerful, so strong, that they knew it was God. They could believe that they could experience that supernatural walk with God. Oh, I want to believe like that. I want to believe like that. I want to be able to walk that walk with God. I want his presence in this place. I want his hand in this garden. I want him to come and trust in us. And us to fill out our commitment to him. They believed they could experience that. Yeah. There's people that lived at the same time. Enoch, I believe, could have talked to Adam in the garden. They were both alive at the same time. Remember, Adam lived 932 years. He's 450 years old before he's middle-aged. Before he has that middle-aged crisis and goes out and buys a bet. I mean, think of it today. Look at your spouse. Look at your friend and say, hey, we're going to live for 900 years together. Wow. <laughs> It'll be trying something. You know, the way the scripture overlaps in the time of their lives, mm -hmm. it's very possible they knew each other. They could talk together. I believe that Enoch heard the story. I mean, those kind of things get passed down, even if he didn't really talk to them. So why should Enoch, Moses, Abraham, David, and millions of them who passionately loved the Lord have that type of relationship with God. 
where we can supernaturally walk with him, where we can get into our prayer closet, we can get into a prayer room, we can get into some solitude where we're just calling upon God and it becomes just like the garden. Where the God just sees our heart just crying out for him. And he wants to receive us that way. And we want to receive him that way. I mean, this kind of walk with God is going to lead to holiness. There's nowhere else it could lead. doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes. We all we're all going to sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all know these things. But we also know that if we truly repent, God is there to forgive us, that he remembers our sin no more. Just think if we had a day-to-day video of Enoch's life, Moses' life, David's life. I mean, we would see plenty of times they all missed the mark. But yet, plenty of times, they were also right there in the presence of God. We would know what was in their core that came out of them, that what was in their heart that God could see and make sure that that's what God sees in us. That he sees the same thing, that our hearts crying out in the same way for the Lord God. They knew how to repent. They knew how to confess their sins. They knew how to amend their ways, and they know how to change and run towards righteousness. We think repenting means saying we're sorry. It does not. Repent means changing. I'm no longer going to do this. We can open our hearts, our minds, our souls, and invite the Lord to spend a day with us. If we're willing to sacrifice the time. We can open ourselves up to the power and the presence of God's Holy Spirit as we wake up. We can ask God to enter the day right then and surrender the day to Christ. And just walk with God as we do whatever we need to do around the house, as we go to work, as we drive our cars, or the hundreds of things we do. We can just ask God's presence to be with us. We can experience this morning as much of God as they did in their day. We just have to be hungry and cry out for it. We have to surrender our hearts the way they did. I mean, Moses had to go up against that Pharaoh. And here's a man that stutters. And God tells him, you go tell Pharaoh, let my people go, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna flood the place with locusts. I'm gonna send frogs. Whatever God was gonna do. And Moses has to go and deliver that message. Maybe God's going to tell you one day, go speak to that person sitting at the corner there. 
and tell him that I love him. Are you going to do it? We can have a passionate walk with the Lord. We can have one greater than David experienced. One thing David and Moses had in common, they were both murderers. <laughs> but yet they also had a heart for God. Can you imagine? <laughs> Our past does not matter to God. Hmm. It does not matter one bit. All that matters is today that you're surrendering your heart to him. Amen. That today you're giving him your all. Amen. Today you're going to make that commitment. And the third thing was David understood the importance of perseverance. Perseverance is something we're losing in today's culture. The minute we run up against a roadblock, we just turn and go another way. The minute we find ourselves being chased by an enemy, we stop and do something else. The minute we have a battle with in a relationship with someone, rather than concede and humble ourselves, we get prideful and walk away. Yeah. We're no different. We're no different. But you can't persevere like that. You have to get through those things. David understood you have to make the Lord the sole center of your life. Remember, Scripture tells us God is a jealous God. Amen. He doesn't want any other idols before him. He doesn't want you chasing money. He doesn't want you chasing cars. He doesn't want you chasing big houses and all these things. Put God first, and he'll give you everything you need. In verse 1, David writes about it being a parched and weary land. He writes about a land that's unforgiving, a land that brings real hardship. He writes about a place that tests a person's heart, soul, and mind. And you can think just how difficult that is. You find yourself being chased by someone. You have to hide out in the dark and damp places. How hard is it going to be to focus on God? But yet David said that's the most important time. In the midst of a dry and weary land, David stayed true to his center. Now sometimes we find ourselves in what we consider a dry and weary land. Something's going now right. There's a famine in the land. Nothing Nothing I touch is growing. Nothing I touch is working. The customers are all running away. The boss is having a fit. I mean, all these things can come at us. But we have to remember, if we focus on Jesus, like David did, he will get you through it. Scriptures tell us that if God brings you through it, to it, he will bring you through it. So simply put, there was no quit in David. He wasn't giving up. 
It didn't matter what came up against him. He remained strong in the Lord. He remained passionate in the midst of all his shortcomings. And we can read about a bunch of them. He always kept his relationship with God. There were times God didn't see him. I mean, when he had, when he committed sin with Bathsheba, and they had a baby, because of David's sin, that baby died. It says that Bathsheba spent seven days at the baby's side. David spent seven days face down on the ground praying that God took the child. Amen. The sin, the child was a representative of sin. So he was gone. But David still remained strong in the Lord. The same thing we see in the book of Revelation. And each of the seven churches were given a message to get their houses in order, to persevere. They were challenged to remember things like their first love, repent of their wrongdoing, hold fast to their faith. They did not do things. And the only way to victory was through perseverance with God. He told the seven churches that if you read about those seven churches in Revelation, you'll see a part of every single church in those seven. Part of it, we go through a time where the only thing we do is love Jesus. And then the people go this way, and the people go that way, and all these things happen. It's not easy to persevere. I mean, especially now. But there are a lot of storms that are coming against the people of God. There's a lot of storms coming against the church. I mean, there's a whole culture that wants to get rid of us. That whole COVID thing where they shut down churches in California, you can't sing worship songs. What there was a make of you singing a song? I mean, you could speak, but you couldn't sing. Got to be outside. Why? There were churches that never closed. We never closed. And people that were sick just didn't go. That's fine. They're adults. You know that. But that movement to quiet the church, that movement to put things down. And then we have the demonic forces, the forces of darkness that are constantly after us. They try to get in every one of your heads. The enemy is always there. He's always looking for a way to get you. He's always trying to set you up to fall. To allow things like depression and stagnation to come into your life, to take over our lives, to take over our churches. 
to bring us troubles and tribulations. But all those things are lost because our love is in Jesus. All those things are lost because our love in Christ. All those things are lost when we persevere against our enemies and stand up with the Lord. I believe in God. I know there's a God. Our Lord didn't die on the cross, get resurrected, send his Holy Spirit so we could live a defeated life. Our Lord did not die on the cross, resurrect, send the Holy Spirit so we could live a distant, impoverished Christian life. No, he sent us for a life of victory. We are overcomers. Jesus was given all authority in, in heaven and earth. And he passed that power down to us. We have the power to heal the sick. We have the power to cast out demons. We have the power to resurrect the dead. The power is in us. If the faith is strong enough, we have the power. We can live a life just like they did in the book of Acts. It didn't matter what those apostles came up against. They persevered. They were victorious. Amen. A life that is ours, if we determine today, tomorrow, for the rest of our lives, that the Lord God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is our God. If we determine today and tomorrow and the rest of our lives to the best of our ability, we will passionately commit our lives to righteousness and to holiness. And we will determine today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives that no matter what battles we face, what struggles, what trials that come our way, we're going to do it with God. Amen. If you believe that this morning, then you're going to draw nearer to God. And he's going to draw nearer to you. You'll experience anointing like you've never experienced before. You'll experience miracles more than you ever thought possible. You'll be the one to lay hands on people and move. Let's all stand.
on, speak up, speak to him. I'm not hearing voices this morning. Cry out to the Lord. Thank you. 